2: And when I started running, I wasn't I stopping. And when I got the chance to go I said I'd stay going,
3: so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish.
0: Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today. Because like I, I'm heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>
3: What a win for Skerry's Harps, uh, And There's only one place we have to start the show. This is 3-7 to one ten win against Thomas Davis, who were in the final last year. An absolutely brilliant night for the club. Um, and you were on co-com duty.
0: I was as far away from the pitch as possible for a for a big win for that. Uh, it, was, um, it was class. Brilliant night. Thomas Davis came up, as they had a one. They were through to the quarterfinals. And last year, they got through to the quarterfinals and went the whole way to the final. So um, it was a must-win class. if Skerry's didn't win. Basically, they were out with one game left, and now it's set up. If they go and beat Round Towers Lusk, then we are through to the the quarterfinal. And we've only been to the quarterfinal once before, and it was under the same manager, Terry McGinnis. So, must be the the Derry blood and him that's bringing out the best and scaries.
3: Right, OK. And there was a, an incident in the game that we have to talk about. Um, I'm not saying this had any bearing on the game, but it was a Thomas Davis goal disallowed and they lost by a goal. So let's let's uh, you have to take off your scary hat for a minute. So I've seen the footage of this. I saw you tweeting last night, Thomas Davis goal disallowed because player wasn't wearing a gum shield. And, you know, on the face of it, that looks very, very bad. I saw the video of it. It was a brilliant goal by Thomas Davis player. Cut inside two players and a brilliant finish in it. And as he's running back out past the referee, they have word they have a very, very quick word. And then the Thomas Davis player runs off is runs off to the sideline. So as it turns out, the goal was disallowed because that player didn't have a gum shield in. Now, on first view, when I saw it, I it looked to me like the Thomas Davis player had already had a warning because the minute, like, there wasn't much of a discussion. There wasn't like, show me, are you wearing it? Open your mouth, you know, nothing like this. It was almost like the Thomas Davis player. It's like something sparked in him and went, oh shit, and he went running to the sideline. Is it? What you? What was your take on it from watching it, or have you seen that video?
0: Yeah, like at the time, and for most of for all of last night, I thought it was really, really harsh. Like, obviously. <laughs> delighted from a scary's point of view but it was sean fennelly from thomas davis who got the goal like as you said it was a cracker goal he buried it in the top corner out of sort of nothing really there was two men on him and he just burst through and and like the, the fact then that there was a goal sort of deciding the game seemed especially harsh and i could see why all the thomas davis crowd were very unhappy they went up to the referee afterwards and for me like the rules seemed to be if a player doesn't have a gum shield and you order him off and you get a gum shield and you know we get to yell yeah. the card if he doesn't comply with that but and then I was texting a couple of referees and it seems to be that the rule is if he was warned beforehand and then and, and he didn't put his gum shield in then the referee was banged to rights to actually disallow the goal and as harsh and maybe pernickety as it is like someone made the point like you can't score a goal and hurt him without your on helmet and this is this is equipment that you need. And the referee was consistent. Like he did blow up a scary's move earlier. Now Scary didn't score. They were nowhere near scoring at the time, but earlier in the game, he blew it up because somebody didn't have a gum shield. A sobax who came onto the pitch in the second half, didn't have his gum shield. So sort of a bit of stupidity as well. Like, you know, from the player's point of view, to get caught with something like that. And oh, like, I, I still feel really bad. Like if, if I was the ref, I don't know if I'd be canceling out that goal. I would just tell him to go get his gum shield or give him the yellow card or whatever. But Um, But yeah, it seemed to be in the right, the referee.
3: Right, yeah, no, that's a good point, um, Connor, uh, about the hurling helmet. It is, you have to wear a gum shield. And if he had been warned, which it did look on first viewing, I know we've got confirmation about, you know, from referee that, that the referee made the right call if he had been warned. But it looked to me like he had been warned because he accepted it so quickly running off the field. It's definitely an unusual one. It's a huge call from the referee. As it turns out, it could be the right call if he had been warned, but at the same time it's not something i i i had seen before
1: it's good job that Conan clarified it their way because the rumor beforehand was that Conan on Cold commentary shouted out loud that your man wasn't wearing a gum shield while he was running through on goal. <laughs> <laughs> the referee to the fact that he wasn't wearing it. Not in fairness, the Conan explained it pretty well there because uh, this is the sort of thing and like rightly so, but like it tends to vary from ref to ref that they have their things that they're picky on, yeah. and like I would imagine Conan, you you might have got more feedback from the players afterwards, but it's the sort of thing that um the referee will outline before a game. Do you know what I mean? So the captain will go up for a toss, and then the captain will come back to his team. and he'll be like, right, lad, this is what he said. He's going to be picky on, yeah. you know, um, steps or something like that, and you better all have your gum shields in because he told me that if none of you are wearing it, you know, you'll get your yellow card and stuff like that. So while it sounds, while it still sounds harsh in the circumstances that he actually disallowed, like you know, he said it to him immediately after he scored a goal. You can't, you can't accuse him of being inconsistent on it throughout the throughout the game and if if as Conan said that the ref is you know that the refs are saying that he was banged to rights fair enough that this doesn't happen that often but the referee was obviously in his rights to, um, to disallow the goal it's just I don't know, he probably didn't consider at the time, not that it really matters, how how important that goal was going to be in the in the in the overall scheme of things.
3: Yeah, yeah, massive goal. Talking about goals, the only other game worth talking about other than Scary's Harps um win is Bally Ballyboden um beat um St. Vincent's pretty well. It was 5-11 to one seventeen. I think Vincent's got a late goal. Um Ballyboden stuck four past Clontarf. Now they've stuck five past St. Vincent's in St. Vincent's. I think there were 10 points up at one stage. A bit unusual how far, how, not not how far, how quickly Vincent's had slipped off the radar a bit from the kind of domination of Dublin club football to a pretty quick slide, Conan, away from the top tier. Yeah. Uh, Castle Lock beat them last year and then yeah. Castle
0: Lock got put out by Thomas Davis in the quarters. Um, And actually, when I saw the odds, I just still assume you know, Vincent's are like, they're definitely, when they were on song, they've been the best team I've experienced in my three years in Dublin. And when I saw the odds last night, I couldn't believe it. Vincent's were plus three. So I started texting boys and thankfully none of them took me up on it. But I was like, geez, Vincent's are plus three here to, to get a result against Bally Boat. and I thought they, they might, especially in at home and, when that came in that like that's frightening stuff and it's, it's two weeks in a row now for Bally and I suppose they're they're champions for a reason, but just running over the top of a big gun in St Vincent's it really shows that that Vincent have fallen.
3: Yeah, no, it definitely has. Right, we'll get on to some news here now because obviously, well, it's not new news. This happened on Tuesday where the government have decided that they're not going to increase the limit of 200 people attending. And this is not 200 spectators attending. This is 200 in total attending outdoor events. So this Dr. Glynn, I thought it was a Dr. Hannan. Sorry for my ignorance here now. Is he just standing in for him while he's away on holidays or how has this Dr. Glynn changed? But anyways, I get, you can answer that when when I read his quote. So Dr. Glynn, he's a young enough fella Um, Well, maybe he's not that young. He says, compared to the other fella. Anyways, we want to encourage people to meet outdoors. Clearly, if you have a small number of people in a large stadium, from a public health perspective, there is no public health issue with that. That makes sense. At least he's accepting that in the stadium, there is no public health risk with 200 people in a huge stadium. I would make the argument you could put... 500 in one stand, 500 in another stand, 200 on the terrace, 200 in the terrace, and there'll be absolutely no public health issue. Hinnick continues on. This is Dr Glynn. The concern is that people have to get to the stadium, they have to go home from the stadium, they have to congregate before and afterwards. We have multiple incidents of cases arising from people sharing transport, from households mixing. So their issue is not within the stadium their issue is getting to and congregating before and afterwards. And I just wonder how many games Dr. Klein has ever been to in his life, because is he picturing all on a final day in Crow park with the whole crowd mingling outside Gill's feckin pub? Or is he talking about 500 people in a, going to a Moor park for a club game? People don't mingle outside. <laughs> like, I mean, and there's a virus on the loose. They don't they're not, what are to going to mingle for? There not even pubs for them to go to. Like, I mean, the, Oh, more park is huge. Five hundred would be completely lost in Portlaoise. They'd be going up at diff- going up in different times. They could go in different turnstiles. Like I mean, it's ridiculous. In all these big inter-county stadiums, Conan, the terrace has separate entrance to the stand, and both sides of the stadium have completely different entrances. This could easily be catered for. Absolutely, yeah. easily be catered for. Uh, and
0: remember, like you're you're talking about five hundred people there. Five hundred. <laughs> we're not talking about five <laughs> five thousand.
3: Could be catered for, Conan.
0: Yeah. Because like that's like the the bottleneck thing that they seem to be worried about. You know when people are trying to file out a, a turnstile, like is when you have 20, 30, 40,000 people at a stadium. Like we're talking about five hundred, and you're saying about five hundred getting lost in Wembley Park. There there was two hundred there in Scary's last night. Well, one hundred and twenty watching, and like it doesn't even come close to filling the sideline. Do you know it? It's it's not, and there's a big open gate to to walk out, and yeah, like nobody's congregating down the harbour and Scaries, and then all walking up to the game together, like the <laughs> like the Austin yeah. Stacks fans. Like you know, um I, I don't know. Like it just seems like there definitely could be uh, more more done to try and get a few more people. And I understand the concerns, but if you look even outside the grounds last night, there were there were almost more people up at the walls, like where there's a shop where you can overlook the pits, and there's a lot of people there looking down, on the main road looking down, and and they're closer together than they would have been if they were allowed into the the grounds.
3: Uh, It's madness. It's absolutely madness. It's so disappointing, and from a financial point of view, we'll get to this in a minute, it's just a disaster for the GEA, for county boards, for everything. There would be no supporters at the Limerick Hurling Games that RT are showing on Saturday night, because they're showing a double header. So when you get the double header, lads, obviously... The the mentors and the teams take up the 200. Like, this is just bizarre stuff. So, now I don't know why Limerick are doing a double header. Maybe it's for TV or something. Um, I'm not sure. So a double header is guaranteeing you having no supporters at the ground because <laughs> the 60 players are the, the, actually more, 120, like 30 on the four squads, and then everybody else, media, stewards, the whole lot, ends up with nobody at the game. Connor, like this is farcical. Now we all know the cases are rising, and it seems to be clusters in meat factories and things like this. But this is just nonsense, and it's completely destroying. The GA from a financial point of view, and it looks looks to me to be no good reason for for doing so.
1: I I just wonder how the double header works. How, how the double header works? There the two teams that play it first. Do they have to clear out completely of of the Gaelic grounds before you know the other teams are allowed in. But that wouldn't work if the throw-ins are at half five and half seven. That seems a bit strange. But just to go back to what you were saying there about like Ronan Glynn, like the. Just looking at the language of it, it seems to be well, if you were to look at it in the GA context anyway, it seems to be based on on habits around maybe inter-county games. I think as you said earlier. Like if you were if you're going to a county game, you'd have maybe, you know, people from different towns maybe going in cars together and they maybe might congregate beforehand as opposed to a club setting where the game is likely to be in the town, you know, where most of the supporters are going to be coming from anyway. So the, the, that that danger of people congregating beforehand or even traveling to games together doesn't exist. And when you mentioned Port Leash there, I was thinking, you know, like it, it should really be fixed for stadia that can accommodate it. And it seems, you know, we talked about the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick and Port Leash and stuff like that, where you can have, you can separate them. You give them a ticket for a certain stand. You say you have to go in this entrance and you have to leave this exit. You could even, you know, you could even go as far as telling them where they have to park their car if you want to be, you know that that pernicity about the guidelines, and it's just you mentioned about money. There, I think, Wooly that we're not going to see, we're probably not going to see the effect of that until, until next year. I know, like they're they're doing the clubs are doing the best they can, and counties are doing the best they can to cope. But like I think it's next year when you've, you know, we we've seen in recent years the costs of training, you know, the costs of training county teams and stuff like that, and, and county boards just aren't going to be able to afford that now. So while we're seeing the while we're seeing the impact of it now already. I think, you know, six months a year down the line, the J is really going to feel it in the pocket.
3: So when you have a situation where Grafton Street can be completely full of people on a sunny day, walking up and down, and I was down in Tremor last weekend, and, like, I mean, all the amusements were open. There was there was a one-way-in, one-way-out situation going on, but they were completely mingling. I saw pictures on Twitter of Theatre Park, the same the same kind of thing. And there doesn't seem to be any kind of you know, restrictions or to with huge queues to the toilet into the toilets in the amusements in Tremor. And they're like, why is sport, you know, getting it, you know, huge, massive stadiums that can easily cater for this. It just doesn't make sense. So like, I mean, you mentioned finances there. So Leash Chairman Peter O'Neill and Westmead Chairman Billy Foley have been talking about this and Michael dignan has been talking about it as well. So we know the GE has cancelled all their season tickets for the remainder of 2020, kind of on the back of this news where they're thinking if this is the way it's going, well, we're not going to have, you know, m- many people at the inter-county games potentially in October. Like, the, the reality is we're being, the co- country seems to be, being run by medical experts who only care about the control of the disease, whereas we should be worried about how the whole country as a whole works. Like, without getting too much away from the GA side of it, but it would it would piss you off when you think that 500 couldn't be catered for. It just it's nonsensical. Anyway, so Leash Chairman Peter O'Neill has said what's happening at the moment with no crowds has very serious implications for us as a county. The championship revenue from the club games was our main revenue. That's what funds our inter-county teams, from minor up to senior in hurling and football. We would have taken four hundred thousand per annum from our gates. At this rate, it does look as if it'll be down eighty to eighty-five percent because of COVID. We've been unable to have any fundraisers, which is probably another hundred thousand. That's looking like maybe upwards of you know, 450,000 leash county board is down. Westmead chairman Billy Foley went further. He says the reality is if this continues there will be no Westmead county teams in 2021. We will have no money to run the county teams. We'll struggle until the, the end of this year and God only knows what's going to happen after that. We're trying to get Get training fields and we're budgeting for surplus this year, but we're going to run into something like 200,000 loss. These are county board chairmen saying that they're not going to be able to field teams next year, Conan. Like this, this decision is having a huge, huge effect on the GEA. And are these medical experts who are pushing hard on this, do they give two shits about this? They don't.
0: Yeah, I suppose no more so than they maybe care about some businesses that are in trouble now as yeah. well.
3: Um They they're worried about their reputations and they're worried about new cases and things like that. Like I mean, everybody's worried about that. But there's another side to life as well that's been absolutely destroyed.
0: Yeah, like the the, the only thing I'd say about the counties is that these things were run before avoid all that money. Do, do you know what I mean? No, it's it's gonna be hard because Dublin are gonna have money and Leash might not. And do you know but, but there was a time where people played in the hope that they might get a free jersey at the end of the year <laughs> you know and they, and they, they organise their own transport they organise their own food and maybe it's a bit of an opportunity to try and get back a bit more closer to the amateurism that we talk about but like to do that then there needs to be some sort of equality like there needs to be a cap put on the spending of each team and the money needs to be divvied out like we've talked about before you can't have one county like Dublin especially now you just steamrolling everybody because they can make money like but the problem here, and we've seen it before with the championship restructure opportunities, the GAA won't act that way because they're still hoping that they'll get some crowds, but right now we're seeing the effect, Like the crowds aren't coming in, and the money's not coming in, so I think, in this case, it like, yeah, it's really annoying, Like say, what's happening with the crowds but in this case, now the GAA can see that happening, and they need to act, they need to start making some sort of equality, uh, sort of mandatory across the board, where everybody has to spend the same amount of money.
3: Yeah, well maybe that is an opportunity. Everybody talks about opportunity in this crisis Connor that they could go back to, you know, no gear for the players, GPA won't like that. No meals after training, GPA won't like that. No, no you know, the local bus company sponsors to give you free bus journeys and you know, like I mean, they could go right back to basics of maybe not when I started playing, but maybe 5 or 6 years before I started playing.
1: She said, I'd "Like, I'd like to see that." <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it that kind of raises a good point because, like, like the the reality is is that uh, is that the GA like individual county boards in general, and I think the GA are going to have to countenance stuff like when you talk about like uh, it, it kind of it kind of really brings it into focus when you hear you know somebody like the Westmead chairman there saying that they they might be down what four hundred grand or like you're talking half a million, and like even the like I know like a lot of counties you're talking about. Maybe I know Mayo uh, in the last couple of years have been spending like maybe one and a half million on their county teams. So, you know, there, there's other counties, especially Jewel counties, that might be similar. That 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 just can't. That that's not going to be able to. That's not going to be able to happen anymore if the revenue streams have been have been this impacted. Now it'll be a fair, you know, it would be a fair kind of change of, of of scenery to have to go from that to to to. So you know, if you're talking early '90s, maybe late '80s, even before that, where where the the type of era that Conan is talking about there, but it's 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 I think the Westmead Mead chairman said it well again when he said that like it's we'll struggle on till the end of the year, and but then that's the reality when they're looking at 2021 and thinking how are we going to you know how are we going to finance everything that we have to finance? So it's a stark reality, I suppose, but it's a reality that I think everybody in the GA might might have to get used to the way things are going.
3: Yeah, it's, it's funny. Next year, with all the money dried up, all outside managers will respectfully resign from their positions. Um, <laughs> you know, and that, maybe it'll go back to that where you'll just promote some ex-senior player to your senior management team and he's not getting paid and he's doing it for the love of it that would be a good outcome if all clubs run out of money and county boards run out of money Um, it's definitely something to look out for anyways how many outside managers resign their positions next year (laughs) so come here lads 217 uh, Morris Shanahan scored at the weekend out of 222 now this isn't junior hurling this is senior championship hurling 217 out of 222 14 frees, one three from play, and a penalty he scored that he won himself. So he was an All Star in 2015. Everybody knows um, about Morris Shanahan not making the county squad this year under new manager Liam Cahill. 50 fellas were sent for trials, and himself and Noel Connors made the headlines. Two of the best players, you know, under the Derek McGrath era who didn't make the squad. And uh, we all know the controversy, um, you know, that went along with that. So Morris was talking earlier, earlier on in the year. And he said, I can't talk for Noel, but one thing is I would have a problem. With. It was, there was over 50 lads given a chance. Myself and Noel were the only two not given a chance. But look, if that's what Liam thinks, best of luck to him. Hopefully we can go out with our clubs and hopefully prove him wrong. But it doesn't always happen like that either. So, like, I mean, what a really nice thing to say from Morris Shanahan back at the time. I tell you one thing, that wouldn't have been what would have come out of my mouth if that was me <laughs> after having been dropped. And I can guarantee you that. But anyway, that won't come as a surprise to anyone listening. But, like, I mean, a lovely thing to say. Wishes Liam, best of luck. Says I'm going to knuckle down and hopefully I can perform with my club. 2.17 out of 2.22, right? So this is what Liam Cal said at the start of the year. I would believe my panel will always be open-ended. Anyone showing form with their club will be considered. I would have liked to have seen more club games um, in Waterford to see what was out there. So here we go, lads. Liam Kyle says that the panel is open-ended. Anyone showing form with their club will be considered. Morris Shanahan has wished Liam the best of luck and said, hopefully I can go out and perform at my club. Morris Shanahan has just hit 217 out of 222. I haven't scored 217 in a full season. So, <laughs> like, I mean, the ball is in Liam's court now, Colin. Oh, can you predict the outcome of this?
0: <laughs> Morris Shanahan will score 223 the next game. Like, that's probably the, the outcome. Like, I can't I can't get my head around no scoring. That's sort of like you're saying, but this uh, this whole thing is close to my heart. With Paddy Bradley, he was dropped off the dairy panel as well. And sometimes I feel like you know managers want to make a statement where sometimes they talk about we're moving in another direction or we're going for the future. And like you know, it's it's bonkers because if you're having a trial of 50 people, you tell me that Maurice Shanahan isn't among the top 50 herders or is worth looking at. Like that that quote from Liam where he's, talking about not having an opportunity to see what's out there in the club game. You know, Maurice Shanahan's out there. So, so maybe have a look at him. He's only 30. He's obviously flying. And this is one thing that worries me. If you're always talking about the future and you're constantly building to another point in the future, then there was no point in developing someone like Maurice Shanahan in the first place. Like you, you went and developed him as a youngster. So you could reap the benefits for about 10 years when he's what, between 23 and 33. No, you have him at that age. Use them like that's why you develop them. But if you're always looking to the future, you'll never have players in their prime. And Jesus, Morris Shanahan is obviously worth having a look at.
3: Yeah, well, no, that that would be my opinion. Obviously, they had a very turbulent year with Parak Fanning in as manager, and there was a lot of rumbling about player power and things like that. And we don't know exactly what went on. Whether Morris Shanahan and Noel Connors were involved in that, or you know, it would—I don't think it would, might have been a hundred percent hurling reasons that you know they, they they might have been dropped. But there's no doubt, two seventeen is definitely putting pressure on Liam Call. It's always things we talked about, uh, you know, panels being open ended, and every manager says this, and it's something I have a problem with. And I remember criticising Colin Kelly, um, Colin Kelly, the Westmead manager, and he ended up texting me he brought in a load of lads after the league and I was criticising it. Now, his hands were tied because he lost fellas off the squad. But I do always have a problem with managers saying they're open-ended and, you know, players in the October, November, December, January training like dogs in the rain and the shit and then playing the league. And then somebody's open-ended, he scores... You know, one ten in a club game, and suddenly this lads back in the mix after being under, you know, taking it easy, watching the Champions League the whole winter. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I don't like that, um, Connor.
1: No, and I'd be the same, and like, and, and, and I think I agree with uh, with Conor there. With I, I don't think Liam when when he was talking about Noel Connors and Morris Shannon, I don't think at the start when Liam Carroll said that he meant it was open ended. Liam gal to me, and I can't speak for him, but to me, he was making a statement. He was like, "Right, I'm taking over this team." Noel Connors and Morris Shannon were part of the old regime in Waterford. I'm, 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 putting in a new regime here, and they're not going. They're not going to be a part of it. And that's it. But the thing is, like the, the one thing is that the whole the whole fact that we there's been no inter county hurling since the start of the year might have solved a problem for Liam Cal. Is that like if 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 was the thing that you can imagine Liam Call trying to bring in them back in at the end of the league instead of championship. You know, just ahead of the championship. Whereas now it's nearly like starting a new season, so it probably won't be a big as big a deal if he wanted to bring in the likes of Morrishana and uh, and all Connors. But to me I would have, I would have said that that statement was so kind of firm that was a message being sent out by Liam Cal. But he'd be a brave man if he doesn't bring it back in now after 217. But I, I, I would think that that's that's the way he's going to go, and he's probably going to stick with that too.
3: It's definitely cranked up the pressure, and there's no doubt about that. But I have a bit of respect for Morris and for Noel. They never, they didn't go to the media. They didn't whinge. They didn't complain. They just kind of knuckled down. Like I was texting Noel Connors. Um, about potentially being a pundit on the show, and he won't even reply to my text, never mind uh, talk <laughs> to the media. He won't even acknowledge me. But uh, on another on another note on this Waterford Championship, lads, there's three teams already out of it. Um, that's Bally Sagard, and Tallow. There's actually three teams already out of the Wexford one as well, Clonbon, Feathered and Ratneur. Ratneur are the big traditional team down in Wexford, they have the most county titles, so it's very surprising to see them out. Already, they've already lost, uh, must have lost two. But Bally Saggart have Stephen and Kieran Bennett, who are two guaranteed starters for Waterford. So, by doing the maths, it's 45 days since last week since they went out until they can play with the county. Now, isn't this what Paul Flynn was talking about, Conan? Like, I mean, this is outrageous that they can't officially train with train with the county. Well, it wouldn't be much of a county training, really, if it was just the two of them, anyways. But <laughs> at the same time, you get my point
0: absolutely and like that's that's what was always so strange about the people who were so firm about this as well like, I think the camp was was pretty split like people thinking that the club needed more love and they, they give them that clear window and the counties can basically just piss off until we're all ready to go back but now you have players like that here 45 days like that's a that's a pre-season for a lot of people or a, an off-season for, yes. for a lot of players and when you have people like the Bennett's now here not playing Hurling like, and, and a lot of people were suggesting that you know, get rid of the county season entirely. Wouldn't that be great? Just to have a club season. Well, thank God for the county season that these boys are going to get a bit more, like you know, a bit more action yeah. further down the. Further and they can't.
3: Mind. They can't even play uh, county. Like it's not like league games are going to be going on because the championship is still going on. You know, there's no teams to play against. They are actually going to be sitting idle, which is you know, it it definitely is a concern. And Paul Flynn was right to be pointing that out. Another one was talking. James McCartan was on Thomas O'Shea's. Um, podcast, it's uh Core Tomas and a very good podcast series. He's I think he's finished now. But it does one thing lockdown brought us. It brought us Brian Carroll, our own Brian Carroll's Hurler's Life, which did very well. And Tomas O'Shea did re- really well on Core Tomas, um, his pod- podcast series. But uh, James McCartan was talking about um, other counties, and they're not sticking to it, and he says if we don't get access to the players, we still have five or six weeks before the championship. I'm fine with that as long as every other county is sticking to the same rules, like I can tell you now of senior intercounty teams that are back training, so it's frustrating i don't i I haven't heard of any um connor I don't know if you have um our Conan for that matter. How do these lads find out that the rivals are training and not report them? Like I don't get it. Like I mean, are they are they supposed to just? I've heard it. Is it guaranteed? Is this Chinese whispers? I don't know.
1: Well, this was an issue about a month ago, Willie. Um, when it fir- when it first came up, there was there was rumors all over the place that uh, that county teams were not only training, but that in some cases denying their denying their players access to their clubs. They couldn't even go training with their clubs because they were training. So it was brought up in a few places, but it was all Chinese whispers because some people, I know Mike Quirk was fairly vocal on it. And I think another couple of managers, and they said, Well, if 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 you're gonna if you're gonna make these accusations, then start calling people out. And I yeah. haven't heard anybody, and maybe people are afraid of calling counties out, but like the G A the GA have encouraged um you whistleblowers. Know, they've encouraged whistleblowers to do it. They, you don't have to go, you don't have to go in the media and say they can they can do it via the GA if they've told them to contact us and the GA have said you know, after saying initially that they weren't going to intervene, then they said that, that there was punishments and they were prepared to meet out those punishments. So, like, I, I, I don't know, I have, I've I've only heard the, the rumours that, that James McCartan has obviously heard stronger ones. And like, you know, I I know he didn't name names, but he, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't need to be a detective to find out the counties, you know, that he's mentioned are probably closer to home because he says that. You know, if you're a Paddy Tally and you're hearing that another county you were due to play in the Ulster Championship or training, you certainly would be frustrated. So read into that what you will. But like until what what can you say about it until people start, you know, until people start actually calling out these people and then you can actually discuss punishments that that, that they may or may, may not deserve. And until then it's all speculation and there's there's not really a whole lot you can do about it.
3: Yeah, well that's it. I think the best ever uh, clip out of Tomas's Corolla Tomas was the Colin Corkery one hiding on the tram in Cork training, Colin. This was an absolute classic. So anyone listening, I'm sure everybody listening has heard this um, clip. So Colin Corkery, when they were training with Cork, they used to go on runs or whatever and across the tram line. So Corkery used to, because obviously Corkery wouldn't have been known for his aerobic fitness. Um, he was just pure class. It's a pity those days are gone. Colin Corkery probably just a brilliant club footballer if, it was, if he was around at the moment, which and that's depressing enough. But he used to get onto the tram and cut off the, cut off the, the I don't know, he'd go a mile or two up the road and then he'd get off the tram until eventually he got caught by one of the selectors who got tipped off that he was doing it. I just thought it was absolute classic. Because I remember when we were down in Waterford in college and we never did anything like that now, but we'd be sent for laps of the whole Waterford, like the whole three pitches or whatever it was, and one corner would be dark. So we'd lie down in the you'd run one and then you'd lie down in the long grass and you'd wait until the lads doing the runs would come back up and catch you, and you'd miss out on maybe two, two laps or whatever. We thought we were really clever doing this, but Corkery's just taken it to a whole new level of getting on a tram to get a lift.
0: Yeah, and it, it said he bought a weekly pass for the tram as well, because <laughs> he, <would> <laughs> he would need it that often, and when he was caught... The first thing he said to your man is, Will I put it into the expenses or will <laughs> I leave it at that? So he was actually looking to charge them for taking that little shortcuts as well. Absolute absolute clinker. And like, yeah, yeah, Tomas Vashade's thing is great. There was a good one with Paul Galvin as well, where he was talking about the the attitude of some of the Wexford players just like going away on holidays in New Zealand for for a month during preseason and he was trying to get them to take a ball with them and they were just like, ah. You know, I'm going to be driving around New Zealand. They won't have time to to do any of the program or kick the ball. And Galvin, coming from All Ireland four All Ireland or whatever it was with Kerry, just couldn't get his head around it. Like, so um, a couple of good chats there.
3: Yeah, but in fairness to the extra players, bringing a Gaelic football on holidays would totally cramp your style, wouldn't it? Like, give me a break. Like, come on, you don't want to be the loser on the beach kicking the ball around in your. G.A. Shorts. Anyways, listen, we'll we'll, uh, we'll change this. I've got good and bad news coming out of Tyrone, Connor. Which do you want? Do you want the good news first or do you want the bad news?
1: Give us the good news, Willie, there, please.
3: The good news is that Matty Donnelly is back. And this is good news, not just for Tyrone. This is good news for Gaelic football fans. And it's great news tactically for Tyrone because we know Matty Donnelly. And Cattle McShane, you know, form a very formidable full forward line when they're 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 in in and around together, and it also gives them a, a bit of versatility. And um, was back uh, playing for Trillick, um, the Division One league opener, uh, Glens um at the weekend. So that's fantastic. He hasn't played. It was a, a terrible hamstring injury he got um, last November. So it's fantastic to see him back. On the downside, Dara, Kavan, Dara Canavan has broken his wrist. Uh, Frank Burns, Run Nene, and Porik all went off with hamstring injuries in club games over the past uh, two weekends. So there you are. Did the good news outweigh the bad news, or are you
1: unsure? Uh, I think so. I think so. Like Derek, can will recover from a broken wrist, whereas you would have worried about you know Maddie Donnelly's injury is so serious that you might have thought it had lasting implications. But uh, I feel like it makes me feel better to hear that like some intercounty like I. Suffered a minor hamstring injury recently, Woolie, and I thought it was because of the lack of preparation. But listen, if Frank Burns, own run and Park Camps here are doing it, it's obviously, uh, it's obviously not something they're doing better than me. So it makes me feel about a bit, 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 bit better about mine.
3: Yeah, you know, you can't. Hamstring injuries are just torturous. That's it. They just come, and that's that's just the reality of it. I don't know how to explain hamstring injuries. I absolutely hate them, but that's I don't know how you you prevent perfectly against them. I don't think you can. Um, Another one, old men, so we mentioned Morris Shanahan, Dan Shanahan, when you hear this, Dan Shanahan came on um, for his club, Liz Moore, the day Morris scored the 170 or the 270, or 222, I must have said that about 10 times, anyways, he's 43 years old, he's a year older than me, Dan is, I thought he was a bit older than me than that, he is playing with his club, this is his 28th Season playing senior hurling, isn't that just outrageous? He started playing senior, or he started playing senior for his club. I don't know where the senior back in nineteen ninety three. I was just thinking, I started in ninety seven. He must have been like sixteen when he started in nineteen ninety three or whatever. So he came on as a sub, and that's at senior inter county level. John Milan made a comeback playing with playing with the the De la Salle juniors. Um, Johnny Dial at forty-two years of age played sixty minutes in midfield. So they played, they they won at the weekend, um, and then you had Peter Barry, who's forty-five years of age, who played Junior B uh, recently. And just uh, four of them caught my eye, and Johnny Dial probably the most impressive. Although that's intermediate, but he's played the full sixty minutes. The others playing at a lower level, but I don't know, lads. It's just it's almost like it's a drug, isn't it? That some lads, I'm thinking of Mickey Linden playing until he's <laughs> playing until he's fifty.
0: De- Declan Bonner playing up in Donegal there last year. Oh, yeah, year, yeah, right? yeah. In
3: goals, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry,
0: though, but like jo- John Milan should not be allowed to play Junior B at 39. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. But
3: <laughs> well, that is a joke, yeah. And I met him last year down on the beach of Tremor, and he's in he's in good shape. He's not like he's lost. He's Imagine being a Junior B cornerback. Now, oh, he's probably playing centre forward for the juniors, maybe. But a centre back, whoever it is, and you're marking John Milan. What age did you say? He's only 35. 39, I think well, he is. 39. Uh... Yeah, but like yeah. even at
0: that, like as you say, it's, good it's John Milan and he's playing junior B, and you're like a you're only playing junior B probably because you like the lifestyle. You're probably coming yeah. out hungover, and then John Milan is coming they line up beside you. Uh, that's that's heartbreaking stuff.
3: No, it definitely is. There's no doubt about. It. Last last no doubt about that. Last story here is it's it's a pretty depressing one, and that's that East Belfast, uh, GA club had to. The police came to their training uh, pitches, and training had to be called off after the, the police got a, a message to say that a package had been left close to the area. Um, East Belfast were told were formed. Obviously, they were formed in May, and um, they've senior teams, and they tweeted about this that you know every you know it was a hoax, and they, all the players and mentors all left uh, safely, and you know. It's a little bit depressing when you think about it, Conan, that, you know, some dickhead could, you know, disrupt uh training, people out enjoying themselves, people out getting fit and they're they're doing stuff like this. Yes, especially in the
0: in the week that's in it with, with John Hume dying, like and, and everything that he, that he stood for. They have a club who is actually actively trying to encourage people from the other side of the community to come play for them. Yeah. And have that treatment. Like, you know, we're 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 past that now. Like, you know, all the all that work that, that John Hume did got us past that. We are we're, we're at a stage now where we can we can make fun of each other for being Protestants and Catholics and being unionists and nationalists. Like, you know, we're all living on the same island. This is just a sport you know, like it would like it would actually be great if East Belfast, and I do know they're trying to, but they've got a massive recruitment drive to get as many people from that side of the community in and just to sort of get rid of that that attitude towards it now. Because like, you know, most people we're all big GA people here, but I like you know, I'm not a staunch Roman Catholic and I don't yeah. like you know, I don't think any less of somebody who goes to the Protestant church on a Sunday. Like, you know, so that stuff is just ancient history and uh, like it, it is, as you said, it's depressing. So hopefully they can they can get by it.
3: Yeah, for me, religion is just complete fantasy stuff. So the idea that people would dislike each other because of some complete fantasy is just bizarre stuff. It doesn't make any sense to me. And yeah, exactly. People need to to get over that. Um, Oh yeah, there is one last one. So Tipperary uh, chairman, John Devan, um, has been talking about a problem, the problem of house parties after GEA games and said it's down to a certain element of people who think the rules don't apply to them. And then a re- the issue was raised at Tuesday night's nice county board meeting. This is according to Tip FM, with anecdotal evidence presented of house parties occurring after games. Now, I have to admit, Connor, I never really thought about this. And I'm thinking if I'm in my 20s and I'm after winning a championship game, I'm going to a house with my friends. Like I, you're young, you're you're 20, in your 20s, you've just won a championship match. You'd always used to go to the pub. I don't know. Like in one way, I have sympathy on them. And in another way, I can see that there's a selfish element to it. Absolutely. If these 20 year olds are living with parents and stuff like that, if they're living on their own, they have to make their
1: own calls on it. But
3: I don't know. I have sympathy in a, in a small way on both sides.
1: Yeah, I absolutely do too. I'm. I was saying this to somebody in the in the club lately that like I'm I'm mid thirties now. Like I've, I've I've a kid. Like I my my priorities are different after a game. I just want to get home and get to bed as soon as possible. Whereas if you're young, there was such a there used to be such a buzz after championship game. Yeah, big, yeah. You, you were mad to, you know, the, the, like the adrenaline is high. You just want to, especially if you win, you just want to talk. And if you lose, then you want to obviously drown your sorrow. So I do uh, I do have sympathy, but like I suppose you just have to appeal to these people's better nature and that there is a. There is a there is a bigger picture here, you know, and the only thing about this, Willie, I'll say as well, is that the the chances of this happening is probably a byproduct now are are probably increased after the decision that was taken with the pubs earlier on this week when uh, that they have to close at eleven p.m. So there was pro- there was probably places where you could go for a meal after after a game, you could probably stay till maybe midnight, and people maybe a little after, and people might have been happy. Whereas if it's half ten, eleven, and You know, young lads have had a couple of pints, they might get a bit giddy and then somebody mentions a house party and all you know, all of a sudden then there's loads of people back there. So I one hundred percent I'm like yourself, I've sympathy, but I I like it like I I suppose we have to look at the bigger picture and you have to just appeal to these people's better nature that there's you know, there's a there's a bigger issue at hand there than just having the pints, a few pints after a match and stuff.
3: Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll we'll leave it there. We'll be back with Garod McKiernan. I'd never be allowed to go off and eight and have a shite, like,
0: him, and, and go off a, a schlob or whatever. Like, I was always doing a bit.
2: I, all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered on the way in there. I threw the ball up in there. I don't know. It was, it was pure luck, no Pure luck. I fucking bullshit. Have you seen yourselves? in the
3: name All right, so Garod McKernan made his Kevin Gale's Championship debut with two points um, at the weekend. And he joins us on the line now. How's it going, Garod? All good, column, Yeah, and yourself? Now all good, all good. Now I have to let you know that I'm completely against leaving your home club. Any player leaving his home club to transfer to another club. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: like, like I think it was you who set the trend, so we're following it. <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. wh-
3: why did you why did you transfer?
2: Uh look, it's truth. I've been living probably just five minutes outside Cavan Town the last like three years now, and then just towards the end of last season it was something I was thinking of and then I probably I just discussed it with my parents and my close friends and look it, it wasn't a decision that I took lightly and I and know it probably did upset a few people as well but it was just something that I felt I had to do for myself and I just probably um, wanted to play senior football for like a couple of years probably my life probably be based in Calvary for the next two or three years and it's just just a move I decided to make and with the support of my close friends and family so it's <laughs> Um, okay, it's done now, and they played a few league games and made the championship debut there on Saturday. So it's all about just moving forward.
3: Well, that's it. And it, it sounds to me that it's, it hasn't gone down well in Swanland your your home club, or like is is a kind of split. Ah,
2: uh, no, no, no. Look, in fairness, my close friends, like a family, wars, supportive of it. Look, understood. And I'm sure there were always people at home that were a wee bit disappointed, but like everything else over time these things settle down no in fairness since I have transferred I've probably been home probably more so nearly than ever so I'm still good friends with all the boys and there was times that I, I do probably think I have probably let people down and stuff but no in fairness I have got good support from everyone back home
3: so, like, I mean, your old club were relegated to junior last year, so you would be playing. You would have been playing junior football, and I suppose Bar have been kind of alternating between junior and intermediate, never really making the step up to senior.
2: Uh, I we got relegated uh, last season in the in the league and championship, but um, look at our, yeah, look at we've been we won the junior championship 2010. and we've been in fairness we have been competing in. Intermediate probably the last few years it probably hasn't been that successful or we haven't been competing so it got relegated last year and then but in fairness uh, actually Swanlinbar they joined at the start of this year like, with another club from West Calvin. they like us so there's two small clubs there joined together so things are starting to pick
3: up hopefully be a wee bit for Swan and Bar as well Right okay and there's a weird lining out for Kevin Gales I see you're still calling Swanlinbar we <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that part, that part just hasn't left me ah, no, look at it, it has
2: look at it, it has been strange but it has been good in fairness probably the, um, the lockdown probably didn't come at the best time. times so it's just really the last few few weeks and getting I can know the boys and they're getting I can know me but no definitely it has been like enjoyable definitely the last few weeks
3: right and Mickey Graham's Kevin Gales has he had any influence over this? no no in fairness no no there was rumours going around the doors, but no, he we no influence at all. Right, right, okay. You you mentioned you mentioned the lockdown. It's obviously difficult for you to get to know your new teammates. But I was reading that you were saying you enjoyed the time off away from football a bit.
2: I did. No, in fairness, I uh, I probably did like enjoy the break. Probably was the first probably break from football that I wasn't like injured as such. So it was a complete break. And you no know, it was like enjoyable. I was off work probably for six weeks as well, so we just tried to make most of the time and spend with the fiance and friends and family as much as he could.
3: Yeah, but by the way, I'm going to get onto it that you're getting married in October. I'll get to that in a minute. Is your is your, <laughs> is your fiance is your fiance having gales by any chance? Or are we getting going against no, the bottom no. of this? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Think
2: you may keep on digging.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'll find out before the end of this conversation <laughs> what went down there. Claire, I wanted to ask you because obviously the lockdown, like you know, it was in, enjoyable to be away from it. But then the whole uncertainty, and I was just wondering, like you're you've gone two or three weeks, and then John Horan comes out in the Sunday game and says there is no intercounty football until October. Like, what happens on the Cavan WhatsApp group when this announcement's made? Like, I mean, how did that how you know what was the reaction to it?
2: I just probably the same as every team across the country and club and county. Everyone just probably presumed was there to be no football. That was probably in the in the bleak of lockdown that he made that announcement. But I was sure that there would be no football at all. But like everything else, these things pass by, and you can see that there will hopefully be a championship in October at some
3: stage, anyway. Yeah, I'd say it was difficult to motivate yourself to go out doing those five k runs. No one likes doing uh, not I won't say no one, but uh, only a <laughs> large percentage don't like doing them. It's boring enough for footballers, you know, who get their enjoyment from playing rather than just running. But it must have been difficult to motivate yourself to train with no guaranteed date, you know, in the future.
2: Oh, definitely. Was. But at the start of the whole thing, all, you know, like the training part of it was grand because you you probably just doing it nearly at the knowledge of it. But then when you're probably four or five... Weeks into it, you probably were thinking, What's the point of this now at at all? But just you have to keep the head down and make it on as best you can. But you you probably realize that there probably things would pass, and thankfully it has. And we we can see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel.
3: Yeah, I was we were talking earlier on the show about James McCartan talking about some counties, um, in Ulster, you know, not respecting the inter county training ban. Have you heard anything about that or? Is that is this we were speculating that's probably Chinese whispers.
2: Ah, uh, look at you hear different things and different pieces, but it's not really for me to talk about like what other do, are doing am not doing, but yeah. I just know that's for our own for like in Cabin's part for absolutely nothing at all. So so I can only comment on what we're doing.
3: Yeah, no, no, I, what, I know that. But you're, you're probably hearing stories as well as James and then, are you? Ah, uh, look at everyone's Here's different pieces
2: about stories. But look at I'm sure Every county tries to bend the rules some, some kind of way, and I'm sure every county managers and all all over the country are, are under pressure on them, thinking of getting results in October time and stuff. So they probably are trying to do bits and pieces, but it doesn't surprise me that there are different yeah. counties back doing bits and pieces. But I just know from my own county ward not doing anything anywhere.
3: Yeah, yeah, okay. How how do you feel? How do you feel about being just exclusively with the club then? Like, I mean, no distractions because we know, like. I mean, a lot of people talk about the season being split, and then there's other people think that they can coexist and you can play county one week and then take a break for club. What's your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, do you think it's possible, you know, to be able to focus on inter-county and club, you know, at the same time?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I've actually really enjoyed just putting the full focus on the club. Like, you know, you have this two-month or three-month window where so football and it's actually just been like enjoyable, even with like the dressing rooms all aren't open. It's, just, it's actually just enjoyable, just and refreshing. Coming, coming to train and tugged out and going home, togged out, and you just know you have this focus of the club window. And I probably think going forward, probably is something that they could like look into.
3: Right, it's like I mean, when you because players talk to me about focus all the time. No, I'm just focusing on this, as in you know you have to kind of have tunnel vision about the inter-county or the club whereas if they were going to play one one weekend the other one weekend it probably would be difficult to have that focus.
2: Yeah, at times like it can be because obviously when you're involved with the county you're pushing for your place and that and the high pressure stakes that are involved in that when you're going back to your club maybe in the back of your head you're half thinking hope you don't get injured here but then that's not probably the right you to great and you feel like you're letting, and the club down with that mindset as well so I think the way both Club and county tournaments are separate seasons. I think it is good going forward.
3: Here's a here's a question I meant to ask you actually um, at the start. You know the way, like say your club is is down at junior level or coming up at junior until you won the junior went to intermediate. You know the way in a lot of counties people say people from junior clubs don't get never get a chance. Now this wouldn't have applied to you because you're an outstanding player. But would you ever have noticed players at junior level not getting the chance because they're playing at junior clubs?
2: No, in though no, I I haven't noticed that in Gavin in fairness, some of the best players for Calvin, the down through the years have been um from junior clubs. Look at them um, even we didn't play the last few years, they like Gave a Gibneys from a junior club, and you've Jason and Lockson for a junior clubs so in fairness in Cavan right. there's lots of um like representation from junior clubs.
3: Right, right. Okay. Camille, what's your favorite position? Can I guess what your favorite position is? Um, and I'll tell you you can tell me if I'm right or wrong you love playing midfield you don't mind playing centre forward and you hate playing full forward would I be right in saying that? <laughs> you, you hit the nail on the head there <laughs> How do I know that? He was telling you that
2: I think someone must have told you that
3: (laughs) (laughs) but like I said you you get a lot more freedom out in midfield and then you get a little bit less freedom at centre forward and you get no freedom at full because I've seen you playing at full forward and it never really works out for Cavan you don't get good supply and you're being double marked and it's just, it doesn't look enjoyable for you, whereas at at number eight, unless you're being man marked by a wing back or something, you, you know traditionally midfielders just go out and play
2: yeah, probably midfield, or mid-field because centre-forward I'd prefer to be playing, but look, at i 10 play anywhere amass, but probably like, the full forward thing, probably hasn't really worked out, <laughs> worked out too well, I think it causes more harm, it has have been good in there at times, but um, look, probably either midfield or centre-forward, yeah, where you wee bit more freedom.
3: What do you think when you're in midfield and you see some wing-back coming up just to follow you for the whole game, it's like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I don't know, I can't repeat that, I don't think what's going through <laughs> <in> my head. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, because like, when you are actually marking a midfielder that is out, you know, to play his own game and you play your own game, that's the traditional way, you know, let the best man win kind of thing.
2: Yeah, look, I think that's the that way all midfielders like to play, like that traditional way to go to like the midfielder. times is difficult when you are like your man mark and stuff, but you're trying to find a way to work yourself into the game, yeah. but no that traditional way of going toe to toe with your man it's, if every game was like that I think we'd be we'd be all happy
3: yeah no definitely so come here you're getting married in October now you would have planned this out saying to your fiancé look we'll get married in October right the weather isn't as good as the summer yeah. but I've got championship during the summer and look what's after happening
2: I know well in fairness my plays football today, so she's
3: understandable that
2: way but um, no things probably couldn't have worked out any worse in terms of the, <laughs> wedding, the, the wedding and football we were actually hoping on Tuesday to get the better news from the um, and the government with numbers and stuff so at the minute we're just not really sure what's going to happen but at the minute we're due to get married on the 17th of October. I think that's the first weekend of the, um, the league start so
3: right.
2: I'll be ready I'll be that weekend anyway
3: so I mean, even, even even stuff even stuff like sending out wedding invitations you can't really do that because you don't know how many you can send out yet is that it?
2: No, we actually have like the invites like at the minute, so we're just waiting to hear like, if we even if we can send them out or anything. But um, we'll probably have to wait another two weeks before to make like, the next announcement. But we have we obviously know we won't be getting our full numbers that we talked. So we're just even not even sure if we're going to be fifty, like or like a hundred so at the minute it's just just,
3: just a nightmare at
2: the minute trying to plan it yeah it definitely
3: is so so it's the 17th of October so you're going to miss those two league games and then obviously Monaghan you have them after beating them last year that's the huge game is this going to interfere with your honeymoon or is that booked or what's going on there
2: (laughs) no well obviously we won't be getting away like abroad or something but hopefully we get away just in Ireland maybe shortly going through two but um at the minute I uh, probably done two league games and but I'm not really sure what the story is but it'll be it'll definitely be the first league game menu anyway, and then I'll have the train discuss and the quench let me back
3: so so hopefully not yeah. too won't be for too long. You you could go to Greenland on your honeymoon. I think that's on the green list. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: like I could look to that green list and just kinda of think there's any like valuable options and for honeymoon.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a disaster. Well, it's changing every week, anyways. They're all being wiped off it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Greece and Cyprus yeah. and all these ones have gone off it. Wait, any word on McVitie? I see he's putting up pictures on Twitter. He's playing Aussie Rules now. And, and Conor Mina are they still on the players group or have they left it? Or is there any talk no, of them? No,
2: back? they left the group last
3: season. Um, no, Gokoi
2: won't be back. So it's just used to it now I'm afraid in, in, in fairness there are two massive lows to the squad and stuff so we've always been to this happening to lose both
3: boys but like everything
2: else you just have to get on with it
3: yeah and any word on on, on Clark is he going to cut? because he was taking a year out but like I mean I suppose the year's nearly, the year, the year's nearly up now <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah no I haven't heard any words since I know he's back the middle of playing for like, his club team no, but um, I haven't heard if he's back involved with us or what the story is but um, at the end I'd say that Mickey just go with the squad that it was before
3: Right, right before okay. lockdown
2: happened
3: and look I mean that was the thing obviously he had a terrible performance against man the first round of the league but you turned it around brilliantly in fairness like uh, I presume morale coming off those four wins in a row I know you lost to Claire, but like I know you, you haven't played you haven't been together in a long time but it's a lot better than it, it could have been when you come back no
2: no in fairness it was, morale was in good place so we were all going well but unfortunately we lost the last game to Clare so we're in a position where we can go up and we can go down so that Clare game was a massive, massive blow but we did respond very well after that Armada defeat because we had a lot of soul-searching after that and we won the next three games and bounce with good team performances so um, we're just in a sticky position at the minute where lockdown came at the wrong time for us yeah,
3: I think it's been a mad year. There's no doubt about that. You're playing again on Saturday afternoon. Um, I suppose I'll let you go here and wish you best to look at getting married. And hopefully that goes ahead, and wish you best to look against Monaghan. I hope, I'm not sure if that'll go ahead. So there's so <laughs> many things, so many things up in the air. But anyway, thanks very much for taking the call. No bother, Colin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up you now because <laughs> there's no such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, no, you do. No, we don't. Um, but you didn't when, we didn't let Jamie talk
3: at a at a hurley launch one day. Yeah, but hold on a second now. He was at a Hurley launch, you know. Yeah.
1: You know, I, there's I, a media I, ban if he can't no, talk at no, that. Absolutely not. I think you guys need to do your job. Don't depend on us guys for quotes. You know. Okay. But, but you know, Aaron, you're living like the rest
3: of us. But if he's at a media day and he says to the media that I'm not allowed to talk, but, then he's obviously on a ban. Well, I think he's carrying a mixed message. lads, so fixtures to look out for this weekend on TV. The big one on Friday night on TG Caher is Kilcar versus Unions. Um, very, very good um, game on paper, anyways. Kilcar obviously, um, they won it in 2017 and then they went on into Ulster and beat Scotstown, hammered Scotstown, who are a very good uh Ulster club team. And then they lost to Sloughnail in a really good game and they were red hot favorites then to win it in 2018. Got caught by Nave Connell. And then got beaten by Guido in two thousand and nineteen. So, like I mean they've gone off the radar some little bit. They seem to struggle with teams. So I remember watching both those games. The Guido one definitely um was on TG Cahir. And they seem to struggle big time against teams that put a lot of bodies behind the ball. And that seems to be the way to to kind of swarm out their their good forward line. They play a very free flowing football. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure I don't think unions play that uh defensive type of football. So this could be a really good one um on paper on Friday night, Cannon. Yeah, Kakar are like just a classic
0: running team, aren't they? Like just so much running power, and they're very exciting when they're when they're allowed to do that. But that you mentioned that game against Guido last year, Guido just sucked them in, and then they were, they had their points of attack that they were able to hit, and they just hit long good ball into the forward line and caught them a few times do you remember that game last year actually because Guido were the Ulster champions but Kilcarra were favourites for that match Yeah, and everyone had been talking them up and the Guido boys weren't happy afterwards and made a point of of saying that it was a joke that the Ulster champions were coming into this game and they weren't favourites and I suppose probably rightly so
3: yeah, you're right. I think uh, Kilcar generally hammer everybody until they get to the semi final stage and then go in as as kind of favourites, a bit like Ballymun Kickhams, for example. the ability to run up um, huge scores. Here, by the way, did you see the result between Sarsfields and Johnstown Bridge after all my talking about them last weekend?
0: <laughs> what was it?
3: Sarsfields 217, Johnstown Bridge 10 points. <laughs> for, God's <laughs> sake. for God's sake, I'm giving up on this crowd. Like, that's the truth. I- I not mean, even
1: Luke Dempsey can save them.
3: Not even Luke Dempsey can save them, yeah, exactly. So Saturday then, um, RT are continuing their obsession with Munster hurling. It doesn't matter if it's Intercounty or club. So they're showing two Limerick club hurling games. Kilmanock play Hayne and Patrickswell play Dune. So there'll be a huge atmosphere at this one with all the supporters in the ground. Um, so yeah, watch that one. i say Patrickswell versus Dune is probably the maybe the better game. Although they're both pretty good games, um, in fairness. Sunday then on TG Caher is Faith Harriers versus Shell Malliers. Um, Shell Malliers, obviously very good. I hope I've pronounced that right. Very good dual team. Um, Faith Harriers, Lee Chins Club, Derek McGrath's involved in there um, as well. And then the, the third game on Sunday is Castlebar versus Briefie. um This is a, a, a very important game for Briefie because they were beaten by Westport last week, uh, Connor Lee Keegan, Mark and Aidan O'Shea, full back. So uh Westport obviously doing to Lee Keegan, what James Horn is doing to him and sticking him in in the full back line. But briefly you know, usually in county finals haven't won one, but we one of the big teams could be out after next weekend. Am I right in saying?
1: Yeah. No, that was a huge win for um that was a huge win for Westport. Like Westport are they're a really common team um in in Mayo Willie They uh, they won the intermediate, obviously Ireland yeah. intermediate there a couple of years ago. And um they're just they've they've a few they've obviously Fiona McDonough, they've Lee Keegan. Interestingly enough, Kevin Keane, um may full back sorry? He scored the goal. He he played full forward. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, he played full forward and he scored I think it was something like one two or one three as far as I know, yeah, because uh we this that we we the game on Sunday. Actually, and we were hearing reports of of, of the bravey Westport uh, game coming in just before we played it, and uh, the other one was that Lee Keegan Mark. Now, Aidan O'Shea started at fourteen. I'd imagine that he wandered a bit, and Westport had just detailed Lee Keegan to follow him wherever. There's a few there's a few great photos actually. Sportsfile had a photographer down down kind of watching the two of them. So, but Westport like the, it's a disappointing result for Brighfe, but it's not. I wouldn't consider it a huge shock. Westport really are a coming team. bravey just about beat them in the I think it was the quarterfinals. Um, Last year so while yeah it was it was a big result but not but not a shot but I Casabar played Charlestown just about beat Charlestown on Saturday and weren't really impressive doing it so like Braffy aren't out of it by any means that group is really interesting it's um like Casabar Braffy and Westport all, all in the same group as the group of death so if if Casabar can get one over um, over bravey that that's as good as them them out because I would see I would imagine that Westport would be Charleston on Saturday as well. But great game to have um great game to have on TV now, I have to say.
3: Yeah, no, it definitely is. Killy O'Connor got a straight red last week, so Bell and Tugger drew with um Agamore, is it? Agamore? Uh-huh. Ahamor, Ahamor, I should have known the of pronunciation of that. Um, it was one four to seven points, so it sounded like an absolute disaster of a game altogether. Killian O'Connor is suspended for a game. He got a straight red. Um, very out of character for Killian O'Connor. I think we'll all um, agree on that one. Um, I've definitely been sarcastic uh, there. Then we have, yeah, so we have they're probably favourites for the Mayo Championship again, are they? Um, Connor, if you're saying Castle aren't exactly shooting the lights out.
1: Well, they weren't on they, like they weren't uh, so these two games were on Mayo Ga TV on Saturday. So you'd Casbar and Charlestown first, and then you'd Bantober Ball- and Almore second. And neither of them were very impressive, Wooly, To be honest, I mean Casbar uh, did what they had to. Uh, Ballantubber would be kicking themselves because Almore, under, probably understandably, like against the county champions in their own backyard, went a bit defensive. But Bantober were three points up for what seemed like about twenty-five minutes of the second half, and then with nearly the last kick of the game, Almore got a goal. It was their first. It was their first score from play. Actually in the entire game it was very both, both teams had, had, like got had a load of players behind the ball, and Ballantubber had chances just didn 't take them and i didn't see um, i didn 't see what happened Killian and uh, David Kenny, who's also been involved in the Mayo panel the last few years, but i the, the, the cameras weren 't on it at the time, but the armor lads definitely made more of a fuss of the incident than the, uh, the than the lads, which might suggest that Killian was more of a sinner than, than sinned against in this instant but I don't know is still probably Probably the strongest, but I, there there wouldn't be much between obviously not much between themselves in Castlebar, but then I'd i watch out for Westport and the other the other couple of teams and Balladrino got to the county final last year and Ballinar starting to make it a comeback as well. They had a very good win on um very good win on Sunday too, so watch out for them. But if you were to pick the Ballybougher casabar is still probably strongest, but not as not the gap between the rest isn't as big as as it has been the last few years.
3: I must uh, I must check Stephen Poacher's Twitter for I'm sure he congratulated Ahamore on a brilliant performance <laughs> um, against uh, yeah, Yes, so that's all the games I'll tell you at the weekend. Best of the rest, really. There's a full round of our match championship. Keep your eyes out for that. No huge standout fixtures that I could see. The Leach Championship get kicks off Strably versus Port Harrington is probably the the standout. Um, fixture in that one. Um, a friend of mine, Greg Ramsbottom, managing Stradbally, and they have a couple of players back. Um, they've, been, they've been on the slide the last couple of years. Uh, Port Harlington probably second after Port Leash um, at the moment. Cavan Club Football Championship is on. Tipperary Hurling Championship is on. Lockmore Castellani versus Turles Sarsfields, probably the big one. More big games in, in Kerry Ken Mayer versus Dr. Croaks. Ken Mayer obviously beat Temple No as a goal in the last minute. I'm sure you saw that. We were talking up that Classico last weekend. Um, heartbreak and stuff for Temple No. Um, they play or Rattleys again, um, and Legion, Killarney Legion play Austin Stacks. That's a big Killarney um derby. Then we have Kilkenny. Funnily enough, Kilkenny hurlers have a full round of league matches. So whatever way they're doing it um, is unusual. Um, Galway hurling championship is on St. Thomas's versus Sarsfield. Sarsfield's on television a couple of weeks ago beating Portumna. St. Thomas's won theirs. And Offley Club Football, probably the big bigger one for me is and Kerr versus Clara. The reason that is is because and Kerr asked me to one of their di- dinner dances a few years ago. So I have to give them a shout out. Um funny enough, Cap and Card are only a tiny little village. Um they were intermediate champions in fifteen, senior B champions in sixteen, and now they're up senior. It was only their fifth ever game at senior or they won only their fifth ever game at senior level. Uh to beat Tullamore, who is a big local Derby and Tullamore, one of the big teams in Offaly. So if they win against Clara, I'm pretty sure they'll be out. Um they'll be going they'll be going well. It was one twelve to one eight. Um, to beat Tullamore by. So that's it. So basically, what clubs learn here is that if you invite me to your dinner dance, um, you get a shout. You get a shout out at the show. <laughs> were, you, were you the happen. guest of honor? Willie? I, I I wouldn't. know. I wouldn't say guest of honor. Now that's way too. That's way too big. I was. Key, I was. Key, I was keynote speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't actually a keynote speaker. I was interviewed. It was a weird one. I even brought Itzy over and all uh, with me. It was. Uh, Ah, they were all sound. I don't know what the interview. Brian Gavin was the referee. Was was the MC for the night, and I suppose I was I was a guest maybe, and that was it. And you're, he Brian Gavin interviewed me up on the stage, and that was it. gave a few answers and sat down and ate ate dinner and had a few pints with them, and that was it. Yeah, very enjoyable. I was also asked up to present medals in Galway. After that, that's it. Um, I'm sure Joe Broly in one night would do as many as I've done in my whole, <laughs> <laughs> in my whole media career. He would leave he would leave one to go to another. But anyway, that's it. Personal information there. Um, we'll we'll leave it there, lads. That's it. Um, we'll be back on shall we be back this Monday? Definitely sure. It's uh, there's no bank holidays this Monday. So we'll talk to everybody then. Good luck.
0: finished yet. It took me a
1: long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they forget what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're, both of them are keen to to now focus on getting back to their journeys. jerseys.
0: But these fellas will get such a f***ing shit shot next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing dances for f***ing 10 years.